You're listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy. Discover who you are by discovering where you are. That's just one of the lessons learned at the Coyote Trail School of Nature in Medford, Oregon. For nearly 18 years, Coyote Trails has been helping Oregon families and beyond reconnect with nature. From day classes to summer camps to overnight wilderness courses, Coyote Trails wants Oregonians of all ages to better understand and care for the environment around them. In 2015, Coyote Trails became powered by the sun, thanks to a large solar pavilion installation at the School of Nature. The Oregon Department of Energy was proud to support the project with a Renewable Energy Development Grant. I have two guests with me today to tell us more about Coyote Trails and its work. I am Molly Kruzman, and I'm the director of the Coyote Trails Nature Center. I'm Sean Schreiner, and I work with True South Solar. I'm one of the owners and uh, sales manager. Tell me about Coyote Trails. What do you do here? So Coyote Trails was started, we're, we're heading into our 18th year. It was the brainchild of my husband, Joe. Uh, and it is a nature connection camp. So basically what we do is we take kids out and reconnect them with nature. Get them off their phones, get them off their iPads and their computers. And it is actually stretched out now to where it's children and adults. Seven years ago, we took uh, stewardship of this nature center in the middle of the U.S. Cellular Ballpark. And um, we've spent the last seven years really turning the land into a nature center for the people of Southern Oregon. Can you describe what somebody would find here at the nature center? So here at the nature center, we have, there's an old farmhouse, which we actually have our offices in. And then a lot of local nonprofits use our living room space for meetings. And one of the most fun things that we've just put on the grounds in the last couple of years is a dome, which we use for our nature preschool which is really well attended. The kids love it. Um, We do run lots of weekend classes here. So you might come and learn bow making or you might learn how to make fire by friction. Uh, We do tracking classes and different things like that. And then our week long classes are up at our wilderness campus, which is up on Dead Indian Memorial Road. And one of the things that we specialize in at Coyote Trails with our week-long summer camps is we actually do something called the family experience, which is where a parent a grandparent or a guardian gets to come to camp for the week with the kids and the parents and the kids will spend most of their day apart doing separate activities and they come together at meal times and they sleep together at night but I can tell you that we've had a much harder time getting the parents to leave than we do the kids at the end of the week. I can believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a good time. And really what we're doing is we use a lot of what we refer to as traditional skills which is building debris shelters, fire by friction, edible medicinal plants. Those are ways of just reintroducing people to the earth. So that's a lot of what we do. Can you tell me a little bit more about who uses your programs? It sounds like you have kids, adults, families. Are they mostly local to this area? The summer camps are attended by people from all over the country, and actually we've had people come from Europe. The other nine months of the year when we're not up at our wilderness campus and we're down here at the Nature Center, we do programs with the Title I schools in this area. Um, We have a program called Finding Home and uh, which is really successful and it's really a lot of fun it's it's eight weeks it's eight classes and at the end the kids all write a review of the class which is 
I mean, they're some of the most fun things you've ever read in your life. <laughs> so we do a lot. And we also partner with a lot of other nonprofits in the area. We do stuff with Science Works. You know, we've gone all over to work with different nonprofits. So we're really open to that aspect of it as well. So it sounds like you're reaching uh, some lower income families with Title I schools and other nonprofits. Would a family have the ability to, say, get a scholarship if they wanted to attend a week-long camp? Absolutely. So to date, we have never turned anyone away because they couldn't afford to come to camp. I think the other thing that's worth mentioning is with our Finding Home program, we go out and get all the money for it. So it doesn't cost the schools anything, which I think is pretty unique. And when we first started offering it and we would call a teacher and we'd say, we have this free eight week program we want to do with your kids. And they were like, Okay, is this a crank call? <laughs> so that's been, I mean, it's a wonderful thing to be able to offer to kids and to teachers. My husband and I went out and raised a fairly substantial amount of money in the beginning so that we wouldn't have to rely on grants. After 18 years, that funding is coming to an end. So we are a little more um, reliant on grants. We've worked with the Cow Creek Tribe. We work with probably one of our biggest funders has been the Oregon Community Foundation, specifically the Gray Family Foundation. The West family here in, in Southern Oregon has been just as gracious as you can imagine. So it's been a really a community-wide, actually statewide effort to make all this happen. Your mission is to preserve our common heritage and the natural environment. How does energy use come into play? Well, it's a great question, and one of the biggest things when we took over this nature center was I had a vision from the beginning that I really wanted to get it off the grid and be able to show people how solar works and what it looks like, because for the most part, um, solar panels are on people's roofs, and so you don't get a lot of chance to see it. The solar pavilion, as we call it here at the nature center, is highly visible, and we also have the meters at a place where people can see them and also so kids can see them. So we really wanted to introduce to kids the idea that, you know, you can make energy from the sun and that you don't have to be quote unquote on the grid. And in that, in fact, if you put in the right solar array, you actually are selling power back to the grid. Now, we don't sell our power from here because we've had, you know, supporters and grantors um, who gave us the ability to be able to put this in. So we just give it back for free. And as I understand it, most of it goes to low-income people who need energy assistance, which is great to be able to help provide. So how did you get started with your solar pavilion project? I started looking around Southern Oregon at the people that were putting in solar arrays, and I was really impressed with True South Solar. As it ended up, Sean's partner's son was one of our students at Coyote Trails, so it gave us an instant connection, which was really great. But what I loved the most about working with these guys was they explained things to me in a way that I could understand. They really focused on what made the most sense for the Nature Center and for our energy needs. They didn't try to create something that we didn't need, so it felt really comfortable. I didn't feel like I was being sold by these guys. I really felt like they were partners in this process. Molly, my son was also in one of your programs. Oh, so, gosh, uh, both your sons. Yeah, exactly. So we were down with the mission, you know, as soon as Molly gave us a call. Big believers in Coyote Trail's mission and loved the idea that uh, a primitive or traditional skills school 
would incorporate this high-tech technology because it's it is a it's a high-tech space age kind of piece of gear, but it's it's powered by the sun. What's more primitive than the sun? You know, so so it really pulling it all together for us. We love the idea and the idea of coupling the the solar generation with a pavilion in which education could take place right there uh, was just perfect. So we we were totally on board from the start. Sounds like a match made in heaven there, huh? It really or a match, was. match made in nature. <laughs> match made in nature. There you go. <laughs> Sean actually designed the system that we use. Interestingly, over the course of time of when we started the project through when we actually had the funding, the technology had changed enough that Sean was able to redesign. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, Sean? Sure. The panels that became available to us were much more power dense, which means you could get more watts in the same amount of space. We actually changed the design once or maybe twice in the course of, (laughs) of fundraising and getting everything lined up to go. But yeah, we were able to pivot and use the use the latest technology available to us by the time we were greenlit, as we say. How did the cost change from when you started the project to when it was finally completed? I believe we saved some money along the way. We definitely got some got more watts and got better panels. We we were partnered with SunPower. That's our primary manufacturer, and we were able to put SunPower panels on the pavilion for Coyote Trails, which are um, just terrific, just the best stuff that we can get. So we were pleased about that. Price of solar is continually going down, so I'm sure our original our original estimates are higher than what we wound up with. Because it took a couple of years, did it? It took a couple of years, and yeah. and, and also the price went down. Because remember, originally we were going to do it with timber. We were going to uh, do yes. a timber frame, and we were really excited to use reclaimed lumber and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of realized that we weren't going to get a half a million dollars for this project. Right. <laughs> right. So we revised, but what was great was... The way Sean created the the system is it's on poles, so it's high. When you come to the Nature Center, you can see it, and it's cantilevered so that the space underneath actually becomes a stage. We poured a concrete foundation, and there's electricity out there also that we're able to have performances that can be lit, or you can have you know microphones or what have you. Um, And the other thing that's really kind of fantastic that's happened around the solar pavilion is we had a group who came in and put in a Monarch way station. So it's kind of neat because yes, it's high technology and there's concrete, and yet then we've built around it this Monarch way station with native plants and paths. It's all ADA accessible. I mean, so it's, like I say, it's just been a community project and it's just been, it's been marvelous. And what is a Monarch Way Station? A Monarch Way Station is a place with pollinator plants and primarily with milkweed, which a lot of people had taken out um, because it says it's a weed, but it is the only thing that Monarch butterfly caterpillars eat. And so it is absolutely critical in their survival. So we have lots of different kinds of milkweed as well as other pollinator plants that are out there. And we have a little trail and we have signage that tells you about the monarchs as well as signage that tells you about the solar power. I might just mention, Jennifer, pavilion isn't sighted perfectly true south at 32 degrees. That's what we look for when we're sighting an array for perfect yield for our latitude is 180 degrees true south, which is where we get the name of our company, mm-hmm. and 32 degrees. That's that's 100% perfect. But I just wanted to emphasize that it's perfectly fine 
to not be perfect. Coyote Trails also was, this was a dual purpose situation. We wanted to have this classroom uh, space, the stage space, so it's kind of nestled into the geography in a way that takes advantage of the geography as, as uh, kind of a little natural amphitheater. And we wanted it, of course, to face that. So it's, it's not exactly true south and it's not exactly 32 degrees. So we take, you know, a few percentage points of hit in the, in the electrical yield um, but we take advantage of, uh, of the benefits of making it a nice usable space. Well, and it sounds like it, it doesn't really matter that it's not perfect in the end. No, yeah. no. And, and I just want to emphasize for folks that per- perfect is nice. It's acceptable, of course, but, mm-hmm. uh, but we work with what we have, and that's great, too. I think that's actually a really important point because somebody who might be looking at putting solar on their own home, if their roof isn't true south, yes. it's okay. They can still get some some benefit from renewable energy, even if their home roof doesn't perfectly point to the south. Absolutely true. Very rarely do we do we wind up with something perfect, but you know we still make tons of power. So even in a true east or true west, 90 degrees from true south, uh, still works usually. Well, and the other thing that's great is, I mean, even today when it's raining, that thing is still making power. Mm-hmm. That's That was part of what was so great about the fact that it upgraded over the time of when we had started to when we actually put it in. So, you know, the panels were more powerful, so we just keep creating more energy. That's another great point, because people sometimes think solar in Oregon, what are you thinking? It rains all the time there, and it's okay because the sun is still shining. It's still getting through and producing power. Well, and, and we're lucky down here because, really, we do get an awful lot of sunshine in we southern do. Oregon. We do. Most of the solar in Oregon is being installed up north, in, you know, in the Portland area. Uh, we get much more sun than they do. <laughs> yeah. So do you know what your energy savings have been so far? Yes. CO2 emissions avoided have been 34.4 tons. Miles not driven have been 74,321. Gasoline not used is 3,512 gallons. Coal not burned is 33,528 pounds. Crude oil not used is 73 barrels. Mature trees grown is 800 trees. And garbage recycled is 24,666 pounds. Three years of no electric bills? Three years of no electric bills. Excellent. So you have more or less achieved net zero energy. We've been, we've been really net zero since day one. Yeah, we've, we've really been selling back. I think every month we've sold back. Right. Well, not sold back. We give back. Sorry. Every year we've given back uh, kilowatts to the grid. So a typical system, a typical net zero system, we're not trying to overproduce annually. We're trying to hit it kind of on the nose or maybe a little under because most folks aren't uh, quite as philanthropic <laughs> as Coyote Trails. So generally we look at historic usage and we try to size a system to hit 85 90% of what the historical need is. But then, of course... Like uh, Molly and Joe wanted to install some parking lot lights, and so so need was growing. So we we did upsize the system from their historic usage, and sounds like we've pretty well still managed to cover it. Yeah, it's been great because as the nature center grows and and our electric needs have grown, we've still been able to cover those. So you know, again, we're not making an abundance of electricity, but, you know, part of the reason why we went a little over was just as Sean said, so that we would be able to expand over time. Um, And it was huge to be able to put in parking lot lights in a nature center was really nice because especially when we go to quote unquote daylight savings time, 
it's so dark, you know, for the little preschoolers coming in. So it's really nice to have light out there. Right. Yeah. And we knew this was a this was not a system we were going to expand on. This was a one shot deal. So we kind of aimed for the future. Yeah. The one thing that's fun around when we went live was then we applied that year to the Oregon Business Magazine's Green Workplaces uh, contest. And we ended up, the first year we, we won, the second year we won, so we came in sixth and second overall in the entire state of Oregon for green uh, workplace, largely in part to the solar panel. But it was really exciting because as I told my friends back in Ohio, being number two in Oregon really kind of means you're number two in the world because we are the greenest state, so there. <laughs> True story. <laughs> I like that. And I think I was I was on your website, and I think that you have a real-time energy tracker yeah. on there. Right? Yeah, so on somebody, the coyotetrails.org yeah. website. So somebody could go to your website and see what, what it's producing right now. What's happening at this very moment. That's very cool. Yeah. So how have you incorporated education about renewable energy into your programs? I imagine the kids here probably think it's pretty cool. So can you talk a little bit more about how it weaves into your educational programs? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about that, about renewable energy, in that it's not creating the waste that a lot of other energy does, and that for things like the salmon in the creek here, appreciate that. You know, we're not heating up the world. We're not overusing resources. I mean, it's really a key part of everything that we teach because, you know, in Nature Connection, once kids feel a connection to nature, they want to save it because they care about it. And we show them this is just another tool so you can have modern conveniences without the downside, or at least all of the downside, um, to, to energy, you know, producing what you need and what you use. So, yeah, kids have really become aware of, of how it all works, and that's been really exciting to watch. I have once or twice given a talk to student groups out here from public schools. I don't know if that was organized through Coyote mm -hmm. Trails. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that was terrific. Get some energy intelligence going at the grade school level. Uh, it was a great opportunity. We're always happy to do that. So a, a teacher or a school came up to you and said, hey, we, I want to talk to my kids about energy. Can you come? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I think I, I spoke to 100 kids out here at one point, which is the most intimidating crowd. Uh, you can imagine trying to hold that, hold that attention. Do you want to talk a little bit about Truth South Solar and your company? Sure. Truth South Solar started in 2010. Eric Hansen was our founder. He brought, brought me along. So we've been started out as a three-person shop and then quickly started attracting really wonderful, talented people. And... Uh, have grown a, a, a fantastically strong team. So we're almost 20 people now, I think. Started out doing, you know, 10 jobs a year, and now we're going to do, I think, 200 jobs. Solar is amazing. The, the public awareness of it has been just coming up and up and up. And, you know, a big part of that are these public projects like Coyote Trails or like the, the Jackson County Airport. Uh, those, those public jobs, the Blue Sky program, which we haven't mentioned yet, you know, has helped to fund these public, these public systems that is, that is helping to raise the awareness. So we're doing more and more solar all the time, largely just trying to meet the meet the demand, meet the need. Our phone keeps ringing. Basically, you know, we're really not out there door knocking. It's that people are people are wanting it. This year we're doing uh, a whole slew of systems in Ashland, 
at a little community called Verde Village, which has been developed to be a completely net zero community. So every solar, every home is solar ready. People want to do solar. It's we've we've already kind of got it set up for them. So that's that's exciting for us. Uh, new construction, public work stuff. We did the Talent Community Center this year under the Blue Sky Project. So it's an exciting field to be in right now. Just as another quick aside to show you how much we, we all like and enjoy each other, um, one of our former instructors from Coyote Trails now works for True South Solar doing installations. So That's right. we've kind of become a family. That's true. Great. <laughs> so you mentioned uh, public projects, and the Oregon Department of Energy was really proud to support the Coyote Trails School of Nature Solar Pavilion with a Renewable Energy Development Grant. Do you want to talk a little bit more about some of the other partners that helped make this possible? Because I think it was quite a list, if I remember right. It was quite a list. So ODOE was a big funder and a big supporter. And just, you know, you guys were so encouraging to us. And that was just really wonderful. The other um, folks that were really great, Pacific Powers Blue Sky Program helped quite a bit. The Energy Trust of Oregon the West Family Foundation, the Carrico Family Foundation, and the Plum Creek Foundation all helped. And then the other folks who either, most of them donated in kind or donated their time, was True South Solar, Action Electric, the Disabilities Recreation Project, Karen Onka Design, Plant Oregon, KNC Environmental, Johnny Cat, Knife River, and SMB James Construction. So it really was a community project. So what was the final cost of the solar pavilion? Our final cost was close to $90,000. Oregon Department of Energy gave $11,000. Pacific Power Blue Sky Programs gave just over $32,000. The Energy Trust of Oregon gave close to $13,000. And True South actually dropped their price $1,500 for us, which was very magnanimous. And then the other, the other folks, the West family gave 7500 Plum Creek gave 5000 and the Carrico family gave 10000 And then, like I say, with the other folks like, you know, S&B James, Knife River, and Johnny Cat, they donated concrete, they donated gravel, or they donated their labor. So it really worked out that we were very close. I think Coyote Trails put in about $10,000 of our own money, but otherwise it was pretty much all covered. True South just was really, really believed in this project, and we really wanted to do what we could do to uh, to help get it off the ground. So, you know, several redesigns, moving from the timber frame structure, which was a lovely idea, um, but proved to be hard to fund. Uh, we moved to a basically a, a solar rack. So, uh, original design, to, we were hoping for a timber frame pavilion on which True South would simply come in and do a rooftop ray. Instead, we kind of built the structure and put the, put the solar on it. We, t- we took the whole thing on, but we were, we were able to do that much cheaper than the, the original timber frame design. And uh, we, you know, we, were, we were happy to, to discount the system a bit to, to help get the thing off the ground. Um, and I, I just wanted to add that if, if $90,000 sounds like a, a more than most people can buy it off, we do all sorts of systems for much less than that. Uh, most systems are going to cost significantly less than that. But the Coyote Trail system is, serves dual or triple function out there. So there's definitely ancillary benefits. So how much energy does the pavilion produce for Coyote Trails? Well, looking at their website right now, for the past three years that it's been on, it's averaging about 15,000 kilowatt hours a year, which 
makes me curious. I'm looking back at my proposal, and I think I just about nailed it. I had proposed that the system would make 14.9 in an average weather year, so our modeling works. Spot on. <laughs> good work to yourself. That's Sean. He's good at what he does. In addition to weaving the solar pavilion into your educational programs, what other sustainability programs or educational materials do you bring to your students? We like to say it's the fabric of what we do is teaching sustainability. We teach kids about composting. We teach about using water correctly. We talk about, you know, how we use irrigation here on the property. We definitely, you know, when the salmon are running and we take kids down to the creek, we talk about how important it is that Bear Creek stays clean and gets cleaner, um, which is, you know, a big project for all of us in Southern Oregon. And the fish, thank you. So really, you know, we talk about native plantings and how those not only will survive and thrive here better than bringing in outside plants, but it's what the animals and the flora uh, and the fauna are used to. That's where they get their food from. That's, you know, it's all the things that are sustainable because anytime you're bringing in outside plants or electricity or water, you're changing your ecosystem. And, you know, nature, when it's left alone, believe it or not, actually creates its own perfect balance. It might not be the balance we want because there might be a few extra mosquitoes, but they all work into that balance. And so that's a lot of what we try to teach the kids. I think that's a really cool point, because when you think about it, we are in the middle of a city right now. And you have this wonderful nature center right next to a park. And I think that that's a good illustration of how that urban environment can match, can still match with the environment. It's really fun, too. I mean, the the different species of birds that we have, we have striped skunks, we have spotted skunks, we've had bobcat, we have otter, we have deer. I mean, it's it's an amazing array of animals that come and spend time here, and we're maybe 300 yards from I-5. I mean, we're sandwiched in between Highway 99 and I-5. So it, it, it does show, you know, nature will, will fill the void. You know, if you create upheaval, they'll find the next place that they need to go. And we feel really honored that we get to have and create this space for, for nature and, and for the people to come and visit. So what's next for Coyote Trails? Well, one of the coolest things that we're working on right now, I, I think I told you we have a dome that was donated by um, Pacific Domes and a funder who helped us with it. And that is actually our classroom for our nature preschool. And, and the next thing that we're working on, this is actually really fascinating, is a coating that we will put on the inside of the dome that was created by NASA that actually has an R value, which will make the dome warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. So that's going to be a really fascinating project that we're putting together. And then besides that, Coyote Trails has produced a documentary film called Earth Seasoned Gap Year. And uh, it is the documentary about five young women who spent an entire year practicing traditional skills up in the Oregon Cascade Mountains. So that's what I have been working on is getting that film out into the world. And it is uh, something that really is for kids ages 14 to 25 and their parents. Um, it comes with 20 seasonal lesson plans and a discussion guide. So it's applicable to all kinds of, of different groups and applications. Coyote Trails is certainly walking the talk to preserve our common heritage and the natural environment. Thanks, in part, 
to its net zero solar pavilion. Learn more about Coyote Trails on their website, coyotetrails.org. True South Solar can be found at truesouthsolar.net. See photos of the School of Nature and its solar pavilion on our blog, energyinfo.oregon.gov. Learn more about our work, including renewable energy development grants, on our website, oregon.gov energy. All episodes of Grounded are available on soundcloud.com slash oregonenergy. Subscribe to Grounded on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn. And please rate us. Your reviews help others find our podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening to Grounded, a podcast by the Oregon Department of Energy.